welcome to the Delling Pod with me, James Dellingpole. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but yes, I really am excited. I think I think that um, Rainer Fulmich is probably the most requested podcast guest I've I've had, uh, and and you'll understand why because I think a lot of people are that you are the great white hope of all this madness of all the corona madness you are you know it used to be oh president trump is going to save us all with his magical plan yeah right but i think that there's maybe a chance with you so so rhino formic just for the benefit of those who don't know you are who you are um because some people are going to be really excited and some people are going who is this guy just tell us a bit about yourself first of all yeah, I'm an attorney, and uh, I'm a trial attorney for most of my life, for the past 26 years at least. My colleagues and I have been representing consumers and small and medium-sized corporations against large, typically fraudulent corporations like Deutsche Bank, VW, and the world's largest shipping company, uh, Kühne & Nagel. And uh, I'm uh, licensed to practice law both here in Germany and in the state of California in the United States. And uh, that's why I am using um, my connections uh, in order to have a, an international cooperation of attorneys uh, that will hopefully solve this problem. Um, it's difficult, but I think it's only by way of connecting international lawyers, by most importantly, connecting the civil law system with the Anglo-American legal system, uh, that we will see success at the end of the road. So I'm gonna, you can, I, I'm gonna ask you about the good news or, or, or the, if there is any good news a bit later on. But first of all, because I think the world is is very divided right now, isn't it? Between those who are sort of, buying into this narrative, this government propaganda narrative, that the lockdowns, the mask mandates, the quarantines, this is all being done for our own good. This is all a rational response to a genuine health scare, which is all, all but unprecedented, you know, that it's the worst thing since 1919, the Spanish flu. And then there are those of us who think, this is just a massive scam, which is on an epic scale that involving the medical and scientific establishment, big government. Um, tell me about your journey of discovery. I mean, when was it that you first smelled a rat? Did you, or, or did you smell it right from the start? No, I didn't smell it right from the start. My wife and I were back in 2020, um, we were staying at our ranch in in Northern California, and we all of a sudden, my, our friends and our relatives called us and told us about lockdown, and I didn't even know what it was. So I tried to make sense of all that, and um, because we couldn't see anything there out there, we live in the middle of nowhere, and this is on purpose because. I want to be out there so that the only uh, people <laughs> who I have to talk to is a bear or a rattlesnake, a couple of horses, a couple right. of cows. And uh, that's how that's how you recharge your batteries. At least that's how I do it. And um, I just I just wanted to, you know, um, be out there, go horseback riding or drive out to the Pacific Ocean, do some windsurfing, stuff like that. And all of a sudden, all these bad news are piling in. Um, and I called my friend Wolfgang Vodak, who was a doctor and who was instrumental and probably the one person who stopped the swine flu some 10 years or 11 years ago. And I called him and I said, Wolfgang, what is this all about? Uh, because it, it seems to me as though this is just the flu and somebody's trying to blow this all out of proportion. He says, you're probably right. I can't make a lot of sense of it right now, but it reminds me a lot of the swine flu some 11 years ago. Even the protagonists seem to be the same people. There's this guy from England who was completely off when he uh, predicted 11 years ago during the swine flu, predicted millions of deaths. Um, that's, of course, Neil Ferguson. 
And then there is this German guy by the name of Professor Dr. Drosnin. In the meantime, we know he's probably neither a professor nor a doctor, but a, a fake. And uh, he was back then predicting millions of deaths. And he was back then trying to push vaccines. And he said, but in order to find out what's really going on, you ha I have to put you in touch with a number of people. And he gave me the names of some German scientists and some American scientists. Some of them lived close by in, at Stanford University. And I got in touch with them and watched their videos. And turns out that uh, Wolfgang is right and that there really is something fishy about all of this. Of course, we didn't know any details, but I was expecting our government to uh, come up with a, uh, with a committee or to take a closer look at what was really going on. But that wasn't happening. So that's when my wife decided, Reiner, we have to go back. You know how to deal with these people. With these people, she means fraudulent corporations. And at this point, by looking at what happened 11 years ago, it looked as though the pharmaceutical industry was playing a big role in this. And I said, well, um, I haven't done any medical law for the last 15 years, but sure, I'm going to look into this, but I need help. And I tried to find other lawyers in Germany who would be who would come on board. And that was kind of difficult until I uh, met with at the suggestion of Wolfgang Wodak, met with my colleague Viviane Fischer. She's completely fearless, great lawyer. She's also an economist and a hat maker. <laughs> right. She really is. And uh, so I called her and I said, um, what can we do? Um, maybe we should uh, set up a, uh, a committee or we should have a conference uh, uh, over a, a, an extended weekend to look into these matters because it doesn't look as though our government is going to do what it's supposed to do, meaning look into this matter. And she said, I don't think this, it's going to be that easy. We're going to have to go a little bit further and we, we're going to have to probably dig a little bit deeper. So that's why we decided uh, to have the Corona Investigative Committee in Berlin. And that's how it all started out. Uh, there's two other colleagues who came on board, two other attorneys, uh, Dr. Justus Hoffmann and uh, uh, Antonia Fischer. And uh, since July 10th, we have been interviewing experts of all areas of science, including virology, epidemiology, medicine in general, economics, law, psychiatry, psychology, et cetera, et cetera, you name it. And, the, and, what, and of course, there's a highly renowned people um, like Dr. Mike Yeadon, former uh, vice president of Pfizer. And I think they're a chief science officer for 16 years or so. Then there's Professor Ulrike Kemmerer. She's a biologist from the University of Würzburg. Then there's, a, uh, there's Dolores Cahill. Uh, she's a professor from Dublin in Ireland. And a number of other very well-known and highly respected people in their field. And we asked three Three, three questions which we think the general population is interested in getting the answer to. Um, one is how dangerous is the virus really? Uh, the second question is how reliable is the Drosten PCR test? And the third question is uh, how much damage do the anti-corona measures do? Uh, well, the last question is easily answered. This is like World War III. It's the destruction of the entire middle class. All the small and medium-sized businesses are going under, at least in this country. But I know same thing's happening in most of the other civilized countries. Uh, how, how dangerous is the virus? Well, even the WHO agrees that it's no more dangerous than the common flu, whatever it is. We don't know what kind of virus it is. Is it really the coronavirus? Is it a is it something else? There's something out there, that's for sure. We're not denying that there's uh, something out there. Uh, but some people say it's probably the common flu, uh, which has been relabeled as corona. We don't know, but it is no more dangerous than the common flu at 0.14% infection fatality rate. That's what the WHO says. Or John Ioannidis, one of the most quoted scientists in the world from Stanford University, says 0.15%. Uh, percent infection fatality rate. So what? why is all this going on? Turns out that the third question, how reliable is the PCR test, is probably the key to everything. 
Now, um, Professor Dr. Drosten um, of Charité University here in Berlin, um, he's the one who invented this test. The PCR test was not invented by him. It was invented by a scientist, um, a Nobel Prize winner by the name of Kerry Mullis. And uh, it's a perfect test. It, it's, uh, it's for scientific uh, purposes only. It is not for diagnostic purposes. So that's the first question we need to get an answer to. Why is it being used for diagnostic purposes if it is not uh, designed for that? And if it cannot tell you anything about uh, infections, because that's what we have learned in the meantime, a PCR test make things, makes things visible that are otherwise invisible to the human eye. So what you do is you take the swab and whatever is on the swab, you can't see it. So you put it into a machine and then you magnify it. This is called cycles of amplification. Uh, two, four, eight, 16, 32, et cetera, et cetera. And at 24 cycles of amplification, everyone agrees now, uh, it's useless. Uh, for example, the um, uh, public health agency in Frankfurt says anything beyond 24 cycles, we don't even look at it. The thing is, regardless of how you use it, a PCR test can never, never tell you anything about infections because it cannot distinguish between live and dead matter. Um, in other words, whatever it tests positive to may very well be the fragments of your, uh, of your own immune system's successful fight against the common flu or against the common cold, something like that. But it cannot tell you if that particular piece or molecule or fragment that it found is infectious, meaning has a whole virus, and that's what we need. We don't need a fragment, that's not enough. Has a whole virus entered your cells and is replicating there? Or is this just something that's, uh, that's uh, of, of no concern anymore because whatever it is, the, hum the uh, immune system has taken care of it. Uh, so the final answer is a PCR test can never ever under no circumstances tell you anything about infections. If you use it correctly, you may very well avoid all these false positives that we have in the meantime, but uh, it, it wasn't even used correctly um, because this is special about the Drosten PCR test. He, in early January, 2020, invented this PCR test, he says, because, and gave it to the WHO, they recommended it as the gold standard for the detection of infections uh, to the rest of the world. That's why everybody's using this or use this uh, test as a blueprint for their own tests. Yes. So Justin, this, uh, he seems to be one of the, because over here in the UK, we're all very familiar with Neil Ferguson and we know he's bent as a nine bob note. He's, you know, with a track record going back to 2001, the foot and mouth, pandemic which he completely messed up slaughtered loads of animals yeah. needlessly etc etc but drosten is not a name very familiar to to uh, i think uh, people outside germany so uh, tell us a bit more about him and and i don't think he's act acting independently is he i mean he is he is acting for, oh. for other interests yeah that's the point um uh he and all the others including uh, a veterinarian who runs the German equivalent of the American CDC, RKI, Wheeler is his name, uh, plus many of the politicians who are really involved in this um, are, simple, are simply puppets for someone else who's running the show, who's pulling their strings. So it, I'm, we're certain that it wasn't his idea uh, because this is how it all started. I mean, we know in the meantime that what's happening here is, is an agenda. And this has been planned for at least 10 years. The last time they had a kind of a maneuver was uh, in um, October of 2019. They called that dry run, I guess uh, you could call it. They called that event 201. They meaning um, the, um, the um, global corporations that regularly, frequently meet um, on the occasion of this uh, World Economic Forum. 
Um, but there's other, there's other platforms which they use to meet regularly, but the World Economic Forum is one of the most important ones. And that Event 201, which I just referred to, um, was, I think, held by World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins University. I think it's called Johns Hopkins Security Health or something. So security, all of a sudden you realize, hmm, something about maybe the military industrial complex, but others were also involved in this. And uh, Dresden, when the first news appeared, um, international news, and all of a sudden there was talk of a new disease coming from out of Wuhan in, uh, in China, he claims that on New Year's Eve or a day later, he invented that test without ever having seen the virus. So whatever he did, he never even saw the virus. Um, he just put something together on the computer, which he thinks was the virus. And then he invented the uh, Drosden test, which he claims can detect infections with that virus. He did that in early 2020, in early January 2020. Remember, at that time, he, Wheeler, uh, what's the name of our uh, Secretary of Health, um, a banker by the name who... Uh, uh, who knows nothing about um, counting and mathematics uh, by the name of Jens Spahn and everyone else calmed the general population by saying, hey, this is nothing special. This is probably just the common flu. Most of you will not notice anything. So why is this guy inventing this test in order to see whether or not someone is infected with something that's completely harmless? We don't know. Um, but he was obviously waiting for someone to give him the signal. And uh, in, in mid-March, he publicly then uh, decided that this is extremely dangerous and that this needs to be called a pandemic. But before that, something much more important happened um, because in, we, we've learned this from interviewing two former WHO employees, um, Dr. Stuckelberger and Dr. Behrendt. Um, and they told us the following. In late January, I think January 22nd and 23rd, um, the pharmaceutical industry pushed the WHO to announce a public health emergency of international concern. Public health emergency of international concern. If you pronounce it correctly, it's fake. That's <laughs> 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 the public health emergency of international concern. The, why was this so important for the pharmaceutical industry? Because they needed this um, announcement uh, for their agenda, which uh, they wanted. Of course, there are several steps in between the mask mandates, the lockdown, social distancing, but the final result that they wanted to arrive at was to get everyone vaccinated. And in order to get people vaccinated with something that isn't even a vaccine, we know now it's an experimental uh, gene therapy and which has never been tested, that's really important. In order to get people vaccinated with such a new drug, let me put it that way, you first needed the declaration of a public health emergency of international concern, because that would then be the basis for the United States uh, uh, giving this an emergency use approval, EUA, or this is what happened in Europe, uh, to give this uh, drug a um, conditional use approval. So that's what they were after. However, at this first session, emergency session or emergency committee on the 22nd and 23rd of January, there weren't any cases. So the majority of the people who attended said, hey, what is this all about? There's nothing wrong here. Two weeks later, they met again. I think this is on February the 12th or 14th, something like that. And all of a sudden they had the cases. Why did they have the cases? Because in the meantime, Drosden supplied his Drosden PCR tests, and they used it, and they came up with thousands of cases. Now, that was good enough for the declaration of a public health emergency of international concern. Um, now, we know, of course, how this worked, because according to um, uh, 
Dr. Mike Yeadon, uh, if you use a cutoff threshold of 20, no, I'm, I'm sorry, 35 cycles of amplification, you end up with at least, at least 97% false positives. Remember, I told you that the uh, uh, Frankfurt Public Health Agency says we don't even consider anything beyond 24 uh, cycles of amplification. Now, this guy said his test for 45 cycles of amplification. And most of the Western countries followed suit. They test between 40 and 45 uh, cycles of amplification. Even if they had stayed at 35 cycles of amplification, according to Mike Eden, this will get us 97% false positives. So we can be almost 100% certain that whatever the Drusden test created was only false positives. But the pharmaceutical industry needed this. They needed the false positives, of course, without telling anyone that these are false positives in order to be able to declare this public health emergency of international concern. Now, we're going after Drosden in our lawsuits uh, and after Wheeler and after some of the others, which will happen over the next two or three weeks. There will be on a number of very big lawsuits starting. Uh, because they're the ones out there who are easy to catch. I, we know they're just the puppets, but there's people behind them. And uh, we'll see where the evidence takes us. That's why we're, uh, that's why I thought it was really important to have this, to make this inter an international uh, cooperation of lawyers and to, in particular, connect with the Anglo-American legal system because the American, the Anglo-American legal system has two major advantages over the German legal system, which, as we have seen over the years, not just uh, uh, with Corona, is unfortunately uh, completely corrupt when it comes to, to representing consumers and small and medium-sized corporations against large fraudulent, corp fraudulent corporations. They're usually on the side of the corrupt uh, fraudulent corporations. Um, so that's why I decided we needed the Anglo-American legal system because it has two advantages. One is the law of evidence, which is much more sophisticated than what we have here in Germany, including the pretrial discovery. And the other is of course the class action because that is the most important tool um, for, um, for, um, yeah, for representing consumers and small and medium-sized corporations against large, powerful, uh, fraudulent corporations. And there, there is one, one potential flaw in this. Um, I, I, I don't want to brain on your parade or anything, but we've seen, for example, with the shenanigans surrounding the, the recent presidential election, that the American legal system is is bust. I mean, even the Supreme Court can't do its job. So how are we going to get a fair, how are you going to get a fair hearing in the US legal system, which seems to be almost as bent as the German one? Yes, you're right. Uh, they, the other side, um, have installed lots and lots of puppets in what they consider strategically important positions. Yeah. One of these, these positions is, of course, the uh, here in Germany, the president of the constitutional court, which is sort of the highest court in Germany. There is another court that's the Supreme Court, um, but uh, the constitutional court is more important. Uh, or in some of the political positions like the Green Party, uh, they are um, they announced the uh, one of the women who plays a role in the Green Party who never even finished any education, but who is part of the, what most people probably understand now, young leaders group of the uh, Great Reset or the uh, World Economic Forum. She's now running for uh, chancellor. Uh, but same thing has happened in the United States. There's a lot of puppets that were installed, but some of these pup puppets are now about to fall. Uh, the most recent news from the United States uh, I'm getting from my friends is that they're going after Fauci um, and uh, that there's a lot of pressure on him. He may even, uh, he may even be finally fired. Um, there's one of the senators, I think one of the Republican senators is asking for him to be fired. Um, there's a law that is, uh, I think the acronym says, Fauci, uh, well, fired. That's what it's uh, what it is. But it's about Fauci's mistakes, and that's why he needs to be fired. And this is, we think, 
also going to happen in some of the other countries. It's it's happening already. In France, for example, the military is, uh, which is re really important, uh, parts of the military um, are extremely, mm, I shouldn't say anxious, but um, angry is maybe the right word. Uh, and worried is probably the best word. Uh, so there's something going on there. Um, we realize that no individual legal system on its own national legal system is capable of dealing with this, but the international cooperation with which we have is going to help. We are working, working with the Africans. We're working with the Canadians. That's where we're, we filed our first class action, which was dismissed without even an, an, a hearing, but our colleague, Michael Swinwood wrote an excellent appeal. So we'll see what happens on appeal. And uh, there's other things that I cannot tell you about because I don't, um, I, I, I want this to happen and I don't want anyone to uh, kind of uh, endanger any of this. Uh, so within the next two or three weeks, things are going to happen and then we'll see how uh, it does, does, do our legal system still stand or are they already completely under control of the other side, which I doubt. Right. Well, let's let's I, I don't want to jeopardize any of your your class actions, but tell me what is the what is the basis of your of your claim? Who are you representing and who are you who are you launching them against? Um, my colleagues and I, I'm not the only one. I'm I'm one of probably in the meantime, two or three hundred lawyers who are cooperating um, worldwide. Um, but my colleagues and I here in Germany, we represent uh, small and medium-sized businesses because they're the main target of what's going on. Yeah. This is nothing to do with health. Uh, what, we, what some people think is collateral damage is not collateral damage. It's the intended damage because part of the agenda is, uh, well, part of what they want is uh, population reduction, as they call it, or population control, which is probably going to be achieved through these so-called vaccinations, untested vaccinations, which have serious, serious adverse effects. They've had them already, but we, uh, we're afraid, according to what the scientists who we talked to say, uh, we're afraid it's going to be much, much worse. Yeah. Uh, another part of the agenda is um, destruction of the middle class because these businesses uh, are supposedly going to be taken over, over by some of the uh, Anglo-American platforms. Uh, Amazon is one of them, of course. Um, so that's, that's what is really going on. It has, while everyone is looking in the direction of Corona, uh, what is happening, they, most of them don't see what's really happening, or they see it, but they don't understand why it's happening. This is what we believe is happening. And um, the uh, class action that we filed is uh, for um, small and medium-sized businesses. The class action was filed in Canada. It includes not just small and medium-sized businesses, but it, it also includes other classes, meaning groups of people, um, and, and what's special about a class action is if you have many people who suffered damages because of one particular um, mistake, let's put it that way, for example, a defective product. In this case, uh, we're talking about the PCR tests and the lies that um, go hand in hand with it. If there's a lot of people who suffer the same kind of damage, in this, in this case, monetary damage because their businesses are destroyed because of the lockdowns, because these lockdowns are all based solely and exclusively on the Drust and PCR tests. That's why I tried to explain in, in such detail yes. what happened in January 2020. Um, so if you have this large number of people, of course, they can all go to court and file their individual complaints. But if you do that in Germany, it's really expensive because here in Germany, the uh, lobbyists of the uh, powerful corporations have been so successful that in the meantime, for example, one of the uh, people who are still running our government, one of them is a secretary of the interior now, but 15 or 20 years ago, he was the Secretary of Health. And back then he was asked by a journalist, is it true that politicians cannot make their own decisions anymore? 
um, but rather uh, that the pharmaceutical industry is so powerful that they're the ones who are running the show. And he said, yes. So that's what's been going on in Germany. That's why it's so next to impossible to win as a, as a consumer, to win against a huge global corporation. And um, that's why we decided we're going to use the, the most powerful tool there is, and that's the class action. And that's why Michael Swinwood, our colleague, filed that class action in, in uh, Ontario. It's one of the Canadian provinces. And, but he's filed it not just for, um, for entrepreneurs, but also for one uh, plaintiff represents the group, the class of uh, the handicapped. Another represents the group of the uh, in, indigenous people, because that's what Michael Swinwood has been most interested in, uh, defending these people against all these, well, uh, uh, attacks that they have been the subject of uh, for centuries now. Genocide is really what this is all about. And this is what they have been the target of for centuries. And that's all of a sudden he says, we're all Indians now, because all of a sudden we're all on the receiving end of this uh, injection. Yes. Uh, so that's why, that's why we filed this. Well, we should talk about this because... Uh, there are going to be some people who are going to be nodding furiously as you say this and there, and there are others who are going to be saying well i liked him at the beginning he sounded reasonable sounded very well balanced but here he is entering into tin for hat conspiracy territory i mean why would anyone want to want to depopulate the world and and how can you possibly say that you know we trust doctors they wouldn't be injecting us with with stuff that could kill us. So what's your answer to that? Yeah, when, if anybody had told me this a year and a half ago, I would have reacted in that very same way because it's so incredible um, that my wife and I, when we first heard about these stories, we didn't believe them either. At the very beginning, of course, we realized there's something off, there's something wrong, but we would never ever have guessed that this is what it's all about. But as far as the population reduction is concerned, it's all out there in the open. I mean, it's part of the agenda of the so-called Great Reset. It's part of the agenda that Bill Gates and his uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, through Gavi, which is their vehicle that invests in almost all the um, uh, vaccine producers, it's, it's part of the agenda that all of these people are following. It's out there in the open. Anybody can read about it. Anybody can watch the videos. For example, The Defender, which is Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s um, uh, newspaper, I guess you could call it. It, uh, it, has, it, it in details follows Bill Gates. And there's lots of video clips from 15, 20 years ago. And uh, so if anybody's really interested, of course, you can't look and, and, and hope to see anything um, uh, or get any of this information from the mainstream media, because the mainstream media is uh, also the recipient of um, a lot of money. Bill Gates and uh, what's his name? Uh, Klaus Schwab. He's the great reset person. Uh, they invested much of their money and the people who are cooperating with them, they invested much of their money into the pharmaceutical and tech industry, but they also invested a lot of money into the mainstream media so that they would be in line with them and the politicians who are in line with these corporations. Um, so it sounds as though this is crazy, but it's not. You can read it up and there it is. Yes. Tell me a bit about, because you, you, I imagine in your hearings, you've heard a lot about the role of Bill Gates in all this. And I, I have arguments with my wife about this, for example, who, who, who still thinks of Bill Gates as the guy who got rich selling computer software and he wears, you know, jumpers. And, and how can an evil person wear jumpers? Um, you know, he looks a bit geeky, but, but that's about it. Um, so mm -hmm. what would you say to people who think, yeah, this is a conspiracy theory? Well, take a close look. Um, check the uh, check out the Defender and the links that are in that uh, article, which will then show you the videos in which he says that, for example, uh, that uh, uh, there's there are too many people on this planet, 
there needs to be population reduction. Um, check out the newspaper articles. Some of them are older about how he, or through Gavi, I guess, uh, vaccinated people in Africa and in India. And it turns out it wasn't really a vaccination, but it was sterilization that happened there. They took him to court. I think India threw him out of the country. His, not him, but Gavi, probably him too, I don't know. Uh, but it's all there. It's just the problem is that the mainstream media, which are more or less or have been brought under control, do not mention this. And if you do mention it in a video, for example, I don't know about this one, for example, or if you write about it, then uh, you're liable. It's it's very like it's it's very likely that Google or any of the other uh, social media, Facebook, is going to take it down in no time. Because instead of that's that's a major problem. Um, the mainstream media will not discuss this. They will not discuss this. None of the experts who we spoke to, and all of them, renowned people would ever get invited into a talk show or something uh, that's uh, on the mainstream media because they know, the other side knows, that once this discussion starts, once you look at the other side, that's what the Latin saying uh, means, uh, audiatra et altera pars, something that everyone should know, in particular lawyers. Um, that's why we don't understand how is it that the government which is supposedly, which is supposed to take care of us, the people yeah. who voted for them. Uh, well, I didn't vote for them, but most people voted for them, or else they wouldn't be in government. They 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 wouldn't um, run the uh, run the show. How is it that the government only listened to one person, to one person? That's Justin, a totally discredited person, yeah. uh, and based all of their decisions, which are good follow the money, you know, good for the pharmaceutical and tech industry and the financial industry. How is it that they based all of their decisions on the, on the opinion of just one person and never ever listened to anyone else who was out there because we were able to speak to these people. They're available. They're going to speak to the mainstream media as well. How is it that the only reaction that they have to other people's opinions is to call them Nazis, right-wing, Nazi, Nazi, right-wing, right-wing. That's about the only reaction you get. Yes. That tells you that they're really afraid, really afraid that the rest of the people might catch on to this as well. Yes. I've noted some of the names you mentioned, um, Dolores Cahill, uh, Mike Eden. Um, I've spoken to both of them. And I've seen what's happened to them. They have been vilified. Mike Yeadon had somebody impersonating him on his Twitter account and sort of put, posting racist tweets. I've seen lots of people discrediting him, you know, and saying, well, he was only a VP at Pfizer. You know, what, what, what would he know about, about, about vaccines? Yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine that you've had that as well against you. Uh, have you? Yeah, um, to a lesser degree, though, uh, for some reason, um, Viviana and I, I mean, they, the, the mainstream media did try to go after us. But since they have nothing to offer but right wing, right wing, Nazi, Nazi, and that's it. Uh, most people seem to be looking through this now. Yeah. And also another thing that's uh, helping us and that's playing in our favor is that some of this, some of the agenda is not going according to plan. Um, we have heard from a whistleblower that what's happening now should have really happened 20 years later. But because these people, this is how this whistleblower explains it to us, um, got greedy, they pulled it forward in time. So that's why many mistakes are happening. One of the worst mistakes is, of course, all these adverse effects from the vaccinations. This is happening worldwide. And it is very, very hard to sweep this under the carpet. It has now, at least in the United States, reached the mainstream media. It has reached uh, Fox News. Yep. Tucker Carlson uh, had an interview with a, a very well-known doctor from Texas. His name is Peter McCullough. And Tucker Carlson, I don't think he acted, but I think it was honest. Uh, he was shocked to hear what he heard. There's another, there's a short video, a video clip with uh, Tucker Carlson explaining that on average, some 30 people died 
after vaccination in the United States per day. And he also says that in, during the first 40 days of this year, um, more people have died after receiving these shots than in the, uh, in the time, in the 15 years between, was it 1998 and 2013, something like that, uh, died of all the vaccines that were used combined. So something is completely wrong here. And you have to take into consideration that what is reported to VAERS, which is their register for adverse reactions uh, to uh, vaccines, uh, that only 1% of what's really going on is reported to VAERS. So the, the, the real numbers are certainly a lot higher. This is the same things are happening everywhere um, in, in the United States, in uh, the UK, in Israel, in Germany. In France, we're getting reports like these from all of the other countries, including, of course, Israel. Uh, the latest figures from Israel say that um, in the age bracket uh, over 80 or 79, uh, 40 times more people died after receiving these shots than died of or with COVID. And 200, in the younger age bracket, 260 times more people die after receiving the shots than offer with COVID. That is that is really rather shocking. I I spoke to a, a whistleblower who works in a um, a, 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 a GP practice with twenty thousand patients, and she told me that she's getting up to a thousand calls a day from people ringing up concerned about adverse reactions they've had to their so-called vaccines. And the doctors spend their time persuading these people that it has nothing to do with the vaccine. And therefore, these adverse reactions are not being reported. And I, when I put this, this, this video up, I had various commenters, early commenters, surprisingly early, jumping on it and, and, and pouring skepticism on this woman. They're saying, you know, she, she doesn't, it doesn't ring true. She's making it up. And I think they were seeding the reaction from other, other people who saw this. But since putting up the video, I've had, I've had comments from other people, just, just people I know. One chap contacted me this morning, said he, he's a young man. He said he'd had the AZ jab and he'd had a seizure within two weeks. And when he'd rang up the doctor, the doctor had vigorously denied that it had anything to do with the vaccine. So this is what we're up against. I wanted to ask you, we ought to have the, the basis of another class action here of people who've been killed or, or, or incapacitated by the vaccines. But we know that the, the pharmaceutical companies have no liability. So how's that going to work mm -hmm. out? Yeah, well... Um, they claim that in the United States and in some other parts of the world, there's no liability for them. They're immune. They claim immunity. But there's no immunity from intentional infliction of harm. And this is what this is. This is intentional infliction of harm, malicious infliction of harm, as my colleagues here in Germany, plus our major legal advisor, Professor Schwab, have uh, uh, gathered from what from all the evidence that we now have. Um, the, the, the most important thing to remember is that the most important result of the so-called Nuremberg trials that was going after the main war criminals, but also after the doctors, the most important result is the idea, the notion of informed consent, because what happened uh, during the Third Reich, you know, all these medical experiments uh, with what's his name, Dr. Mengele. Um, that was not, ever, people wanted this to never, ever happen again. So this is informed consent. Informed consent means that a medical intervention um, is only legal if the patient consents and the consent of the patient is only valid if he's fully informed before the medical intervention happens. In this particular case, this means that all of the people who got these shots should have been informed about one, that this is not a vaccine, but rather a, uh, an experimental gene therapy because this has never, ever, ever been done before. 
Um, and that there is no medical study underlying this. Normally it takes between eight and 10 years, sometimes even longer to develop a new drug uh, or a new uh, vaccine. And here they claim that within a year or so, they came up with these uh, three or four major or five, I think in the meantime, if you include the uh, Russian one, um, vaccines. Now in what you usually do, in medical studies is you have, you first, you have this preclinical uh, uh, study, which is toxicology, et cetera. Then you have animal experiments, and then you go into phases one, two, and three of the uh, human uh, studies. And that's what's going on right now. There's no preclinical trials, I don't think, at least we know there's no toxicology, no uh, animal testing was, was done. Uh, what we're seeing right now is human trials, but they're not really trials. This is, this is an experiment because the people who are participating don't know that this is an experiment. They have not been informed about this and therefore they, they were not able, not capable of, of actually giving valid consent to what's happening. They're the guinea pigs right now. How much um, weight does it, is it the, the Nuremberg Code or the Nuremberg Convention? I forget it's, what, what's it called. The Nuremberg Code, yeah, the Nuremberg and the Co Helsinki Code, and yeah. Because, because, for example, my government is currently conducting a propaganda campaign designed to vilify and bully people who are skeptical about the vaccine, and we, we are being mm -hmm. we are being marginalised. We are being scapegoated as being re the reason yeah. why the country can't reopen and why people can't go on holiday. So they're turning against us. We're, we're you know, we're, we're having a yellow star put on us, if you like. Um, yeah. But so here we have a government which, uh, and they're talking about vaccinating children. Uh, this, uh, are you telling me that all this is, is against the Nuremberg Code? And, and in which case, yeah. how much of, the ca of a case is there against my government? Um, all of the people who are taking part in this, including the doctors who give you the shots, including the people who order this, including the people who profit from this, including, of course, the government that pushes its population to get vaccinated, they're all responsible. These are true crimes against humanity. That's why we believe that in the end, in order to clean this mess up, uh, we will probably need something that is supranational, maybe uh, an international corona court. I do have an idea on which continent that could be set up. I, I can't tell you right now, but in two or three weeks, we will be able to come up uh, to tell you about it. And, uh, but I do think that this is so grave. This is worse than what happened in the Third Reich, because this time it concerns everyone on this planet, everyone. I don't, I, there's probably some people out there in the, in the middle of nowhere, maybe some Aborigine who, who doesn't, who's not uh, concerned with this, but uh, almost everyone else on this planet suffers damages because of this, either through the vaccinations or because their businesses are destroyed or because they, are, uh, they have uh, health problems because of the mask mandates. Uh, or uh, psychological problems because of all the social distancing or because their loved one died isolated without uh, anyone um, giving him any comfort. Uh, that's, I mean, if you look at, at that in particular, that's what really, really shocked me. And that's when I decided we cannot sit by and wait for this to unfold. We're gonna have to step in and stop it as quickly as possible. We know we can't save everyone, but we're gonna to have to do something because those people who are responsible are completely without any empathy. They are extremely dangerous. The only thing they care about is money and power, but we're yes. gonna get them. I, I'm very happy you're saying that. I, 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 hope, you, I hope you're successful. Um, just, just when we're talking about the vaccines being Oh, sorry, the experimental gene therapy being a form of population control. What what level of knowledge do you think the pharma companies have? And I mean, are they putting stuff in the vaccine that actually kills you? Are they just being kind of cavalier by rushing through something which should have taken 10 years to, to process? Or what? I mean, are we talking about ADE reactions? Are we talking 
what's the what's the, what's the plan with the vaccine if, if if it is a kind of population control method well um we are absolutely certain that the vaccine makers know exactly what they're doing they know that this is an experimental gene therapy they know that uh the people who get the vaccines the the, the shots are not uh given any real um, uh, information about what's really going on. And they also know that this is extremely dangerous. The two things that you test for during med medical trials is one, efficacy. Is it effective? And two, um, are there any side effects, any adverse effects? Because, you know, there may be a drug that is effective uh, in fighting, I don't know, the common flu. But it may have the side effect of giving you a heart attack. So that would certainly, in the end, uh, lead to this uh, drug not to ever be admitted. Now, there's a lot of debate um, about, are these vaccines effective? The vaccine makers like BioNTech-Pfizer, uh, they're claiming that their vaccine is 95% effective. Others, like Peter Doshi say, 19% at the most. Others are saying 0.85% at the most. The other thing that uh, these medical trials should have, uh, 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 sh should have uh, looked into is, what about the adverse effects? What about the side effects? We know nothing about that, absolutely nothing. What we do know is these, um, these, uh, this mRNA injection, uh, that's BioNTech, Pfizer, and Moderna. Um, they, uh, there, were, there, there were animal tests conducted in 2005 and 2012 with different vaccines. And the net result of this, to make a very long story very short, is that all of the animals, the ferrets and the cats, died. Now, Maybe that's the reason that why they didn't conduct any, any animal testing this time. And uh, what many of the experts like Professor Bhakti, uh, Dolores Cahill, Mike Eden, and many, many others uh, are afraid is going to happen is that when the people who got the shots finally run into the what they call the wild virus, meaning in the fall or the winter or next year in the spring, uh, there's going to be a flu wave or a cold or something. Um, three, there's three major problems that they expect. One is, as we can see from the examples that I just mentioned, the animal testing that happened in 2005 and 2012, uh, that um, there's going to be, uh, I guess they call this ADE, antibody-dependent enhancement, meaning that the actual virus is going to be deadly while in other cases if they don't if they wouldn't have gotten vaccinated this uh, the uh, their uh, immune system would have been able to take care of this uh, another problem is and i'm a lawyer i'm just repeating what i think i understood from what they told us if i were to argue this in court i would be better prepared and i would be able to have the charts etc with me but the other problem is uh uh thrombosis blood clotting. Uh, it's happening already. I just spoke to a colleague of yours. Her, her name is Sally Beck. She explained about how this is happening in Great Britain as well. Yes, it's happening it here is. in Germany. A lot of people who are dying of, uh, of uh, uh, blood clots um, that uh, go all the way up into their brains. Uh, then there's ADE, as I just mentioned. And then there's another problem that, that's called uh, autoimmune responses. Because of uh, what you get injected is the, um, or after you get injected with this uh, experimental drug, um, your body produces the spike protein. Your body is supposed to fight the, the, your immune system is to, supposed to fight the, uh, the sp spike protein when, uh, when it attacks you. But what if your body produces the, the, the spike protein itself? Then this is what many experts uh, are afraid of. Um, then it might happen that your body is going to attack itself. So there's a number of things that may go wrong, maybe more things that I haven't even considered because, or I haven't understood uh, fully, 
but it is very clear that the danger by far outweighs the risk of the actual disease. Consider that uh, the WHO and uh, John Ioannidis say, this is nothing, this is no more dangerous than the common flu. And this isn't, this isn't you saying this, this is, you are, you are praising what you have been told by, I imagine, a large number of people who know their stuff. Absolutely. The, the dangers that I was just trying to tell you about in layman's terms, because yeah. I don't, I'm not a medical expert. As I said, if I were to argue this in court, I would be much better prepared. But the dangers that I try to explain is, this is all based on the testimony of Professor Bhakti, uh, Dr. Mike Eden, uh, Dolores Cahill, uh, many others. Um, as far as the uh, dangerousness of the virus, um, I'm referring to the official statements of the WHO and uh, the studies that uh, Professor John Ioannidis of Stanford University conducted and others have come to the same conclusion. You, you've, you've heard a lot of testimony from a lot of different people and I imagine a lot of it was quite shocking, but is there anything that stands out for you as particularly damning of what's going on right now? Um, well, what was the most surprising thing is that um, when Dr. Vodak and I, we rode the subway in Berlin and um, we were talking about something completely different. And then he mentioned sort of in passing, he mentioned, well, you're aware of the fact that the Dresden PCR test can't tell you anything about infections. I said, what? Are you sure? He says, yeah, everybody knows this. I said, no, I didn't know it. And I've been trying to look into this. And that's how, how this all got started. That's how he then said, well, you got to talk to Professor Kemera. Uh, you got to talk to Dolores Cahill. You got to talk to Professor Capel and many, many, and, and Mike Eden, of course. That's how it all started. So that was the most important and shocking uh, experience that I had that this which is the basis for everything, is a complete fraud, a complete fraud. Yes, that was your eureka moment when you realized that you had a, yeah. the, the, yeah. the, 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 the smoking the smoking gun. And I've, I yeah. must ask you, so the guy, who, the guy who invented the PCR test died mysteriously, as, as so many people seem to do uh, when they cross Big Pharma. Um, mm -hmm. are, are you worried? I mean, you, you, you must, I mean, you're represent, you, you are standing up against organized crime on the most unimaginable scale. Uh, are you worried that you might be a target? Um, yeah. Um, I'm not the only one though. There's lots of us out there. Uh, I may be, I may, I may be a sort of a standard bearer or maybe particularly outspoken, but that's only because I, from what our Corona committee did, uh, from all the expert testimony we've heard that I believe I, I'm in a position to act the way I'm acting. And I also think I don't have a choice. I also think we don't have a choice. All of us have to fight this because this is Truly, I would never have guessed that I would ever say this yeah. because I'm a lawyer, you know. This is truly a, um, this is a fight of good against evil. And um, the thing is, I do have protection. Um, I, I have protection from a lot of people and from um, a lot of people, indigenous people, for example, uh, spiritual people, um, and that's why I think, even though this is probably dangerous, yes, uh, that's why I, it, it's, it's meant to happen this way. I don't know how to put it, but it's meant to happen. I have a task to fulfill and all the others who are working with me and uh, on your side, for example, yeah. we, we are needed. We must do this in order to stop this. That's why I think no one will be able to stop us. It's, it's funny what you said just then. Um, this is exactly how I feel about, about what I do. Cause I, cause, cause you know, I'm, I have, I'm in a similar, similar position to you, not the same, but, but similar, similar position, you know, as a kind of truth teller 
in a world where nobody is telling the truth, it's extraordinary. And we, we attract, don't we? We attract very good, good people, interesting people, powerful people on our, on our side. And, and that gives great hope. Yeah. Now, I really want to believe that, that, that you are going to be successful. But didn't I, re- I, I don't know much about law. Um, did, I, did I not read somewhere once that sort of international laws really have no legal standing? They're just a kind of high-minded notion. But, you know, who's going who's gonna to obey the Nuremberg Code? Does, does it have any, can it be enforced? Well, the, whatever happens is going to be enforceable. If we win in a Canadian court or an American court, that judgment will be enforced. Um, if it turns out that the only way to really uh, clean this mess up is through an international court, the findings of this court, just like the Nuremberg court, will be effective and will be enforced. I don't see why not, because, of course, if everything stays the same, if all the uh, stooges, all the puppets remain in place, that's a different story, but they won't. They will not survive this. They won't. They have no chance because the thing is, once they, they, they come under pressure and once they cave in, and that's what's happening with Fauci, because from everything I read about him right now, about the uh, American uh, politicians, Republicans who are going after him, um, he will not have any support. That's the funny thing. The people who are pulling his strings will throw him under the bus. I think I'm, I'm getting very much that impression with Fauci that he is going to be, and, and these people love, love sacrifices. Um, so Fauci is definitely going to be, going to be thrown to the wolves. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. just, what do you know about Fauci? Because I mean, his, this goes right back to AIDS, doesn't it? It's, he's got, he's got. Yeah. Four- well, I don't, I don't know enough about him because I was concentrating when I first started, started to work on these things, on these cases, I concentrated on Dresden and Wheeler and our secretary of health and some of the bad guys here in Germany. But uh, from uh, discussing these cases with my American colleagues, I've learned a little bit about Fauci. I know that he was, he played a strange role uh, uh, during the uh, AIDS crisis Um, He destroyed the career of um, another scientist by the name of Judy Mikovits. Um, And he's heavily involved with, um, well, I guess you can call it research, conducted gain of function research is what they call it, conducted, for example, at the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology. I've heard that before. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> How can that be? So uh, it's all coming out into the open. And that's what's really good about this. That's the only thing that's good about this. All this corruption, because that's what it boils down to. All this corruption is coming out into the open. It's a shock to see how many people are corrupt. But on the other hand, now we know who we're, who we're dealing with. You've probably got to go, but I, I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions. One about, you must have heard about the suppression of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin as effective treatments. What? Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, um, this is this is another important side story. It's a really important story because it turns out that there's a lot of evidence out there that says that there are alternative uh, treatments available that are that either cost next to nothing. Uh, or really, really cheap, and that are highly effective. Quite, and, 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 and therefore you don't need any vaccinations. You don't need any vaccines. Why were these alternative uh, treatments suppressed? Well, because the pharmaceutical industry wanted them to be suppressed because they wanted people to get these shots. Yes. And that's why I'm saying this is intentional infliction of harm. Yes, and that will be another, uh, presumably, a key part of your case when you're trying to show the bad intention. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, well, I forgot what my other question was, but it's been it's been absolutely thrilling talk. I, th- I mean, I think we, we have we missed anything out here? Any key key points? Because I think this is going to be a very good guide. I, I will be encouraging kind of my skeptical, my, my sort of. Uh, Un, uncommitted friends, let's say, 
to watch this because I think you come across as very reasonable. You don't come across, you're not wearing a tinfoil hat. And yet you, you, you clearly oh. <laughs> are, you, you clearly are concerned about what's, what's, what's going on. And it, it's not normal, is it? It's not a, this is bad. No, this is insanity. This is, this is clearly insanity. People on the other side must be clinically, in a clinical sense, insane. Because this is, they, they have, either they suffer from, uh, they think they, they, they're omnipotent. They suffer from megalomania, but it's much, 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 much worse than that. Because they're willing to kill. When can we, when can we expect to see some, some results or something starting to happen? Oh, we've seen some results already, but um, it's, a, it's a very tough battle as far as the PCR tests are concerned. We now have three major decisions. One, the first one was last year by a uh, Portuguese court. The second one at, was at the beginning of this year by a court in Austria. And the third one was by a German court, um, a family court. Um, in, it is, this is the first one that, that is based on the actual hearing of evidence because the, the judge who wrote the opinion um, heard three experts and uh, their testimony is, is completely included in his opinion. Now, that's why I'm saying it's a tough battle because uh, right after he... Um, his his uh, decision was published and it was hailed and celebrated all over the world because the underlying facts of what's going on are the same everywhere. It's always the Drosten test that is, that is the basis for all of these anti-corona measures. So a short time later, um, his house, his home and his car were searched and his phone, his cell phone, and his uh, computer were seized. Now, he's gotten that back because um, he has a very, very good criminal defense attorney um, on his side, but it tells you what's going on. The other side is, this is their weak spot. This is their Achilles heel, the PCR tests. If, they, if we destroy the PCR tests, then that's it. No more infections. The whole house of cards is going to collapse. So it's a tough fight. That's even, it's always like two steps forward and two and a half steps back, but we're making, we're still making progress. And as I said, in two or three weeks, um, a couple of major things are going to happen uh, on three different continents. And uh, what, do you have a message to anyone who's thinking about taking the vaccine in order that they can go on holiday? Don't do it. This is um, your money or your life. I mean, if you do want to go on holiday uh, and if there's no other way, I mean, if you want to go get on an airplane, you may have to get vaccinated, but don't do it. Go someplace else. And if you can't go on holiday, if that's the only choice, then don't get vaccinated. Even if you're um, if you're if you're about to lose your lo uh, your job, choose life. Don't get vaccinated. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it was really good talking to you. And I, I, I'm full of admiration for what you're doing. And it's really great to meet you and, and the very best of luck. Thank you. And vice versa. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Okay.